Welcome to The Sleep Sessions. I'm your host, Dara Whitaker. This podcast is a place for women to share their successes and challenges of adapting to life and sleep after a new baby. Whether you're expecting your first or a mother of five, you can listen in weekly to learn, feel supported, and celebrate each other's unique experiences. Today, I'm speaking with Stephanie about her daughter's premature birth at 32 weeks via emergency C-section, challenges they faced with feeding and acid reflux, transitioning back to work after maternity leave, and ultimately deciding to leave her career when her daughter was 18 months old. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks so much for speaking with me on the podcast today. Can you start by introducing yourself and telling me about your family? Yeah. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, We live in Minneapolis and have been here for about three years now. It's me, my husband, my daughter, Clara, who's 20 months old now, and our puppy that we got in the last week. Oh, that's so exciting. It is. I have a little bit of a flashback to um, the times of Clara being an infant and sleeping at night. So (laughs) this um, made me reflect on her sleeping. So this podcast comes in good timing. Perfect. (laughs) Well, do you want to start by telling me about Clara's birth story? Yeah, definitely. Um, Her birth story shaped a lot of Clara's first year. Um, So short version of a very long story is that after a pretty normal and uneventful pregnancy, um, I ended up delivering Clara early at 32 weeks and three days. Um, We're not totally sure what went wrong, but um, one night after dinner, I felt something off. It was um, a gut instinct and Um, I did some uh, kick counts and didn't really feel her moving around like she normally did, especially after dinner time. So we gave the doctor a call and he, the doctor that was on on call at that time, gave me the choice whether or not to come in. I had an appointment the next morning. So he said, you know, this is kind of normal, but if you want to come in and get checked out, come on in. So uh, we decided to go in fully expecting we would go home in a couple of hours. Uh, That did not happen. I was admitted uh, shortly after getting there and then 24 hours later had a C-section and Clara was born. So, and that was at 32 weeks, you said? Yes. So she, well, 32 weeks and three days, every day counts when they're they're that little. Um, But yeah, basically she was eight weeks early and for as early as she was, she was really healthy. Um, She just needed a lot of time to grow and get stronger. Um, So we were in the special care nursery, which is a step lower than the NICU. And she was there for a day shy of five weeks. Okay. And how were those five weeks for you? Oh, they were a whirlwind. It was, I felt like so much of my mentality was I have to just get through this and I have to leave my emotions aside for now. And then I can process that later, which um, I definitely did. Um, But it was not anything any mother anticipates or, or expects, especially being a first time mom and not knowing what to do. Um, It was a lot, but we are fortunate that we live pretty close to the hospital. So I spent every day there with Clara and then I went um, home at night to sleep. The hospital staff really encouraged all parents to do that if they could. And 
I think it helped just to have some sort of routine, but not being able to bring my baby home with me was obviously the hardest part. Um, so we were just doing that for the first five weeks and really focusing on getting her home. And um, when there's a goal in front of me when it comes to work, but now especially motherhood, I laser focus on that. So for me, it was getting my baby home and having that newborn experience with her as a family in our home. So every day it was um, teaching her how to eat because she had an NG tube in her nose, um, which gave her 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 milk, which I was pumping and um, getting my supply up to be able to give her all of um, her feedings um, by me and not formula, um, besides being supplemented with a uh, a formula that had a higher calorie count and then um, infant massage to help her with her sleep apnea and all of these other things. It um, was a lot of work, but we're lucky that she didn't have any major health problems. Yeah, that really is a blessing. Yeah. Um, but when we finally got her home, which was, I think, um, four weeks and six days, it was just the most exciting yet nerve wracking um, experience and day of my life. I can imagine because you're so used to having her be there in the hospital where yes, you are her primary care provider, but you also had, I'm sure the nurse staff and all those people kind of there to assist you. Absolutely. It was almost like I had a like team of coaches for those first five weeks and how to be her parent. I had a nurse help me with her bath for the first couple of times and now she was super, super tiny. She was born at three pounds, six ounces. So oh. she just seemed even more fragile than the average infant. Um, but yeah, I had all of this help and support um, people to answer questions around the clock. So um, having that stripped away was really exciting because we finally got to be a family, but also terrifying because she was this fragile little preemie that I didn't expect having uh, the responsibility to care after with these additional additional um, complications. Right. How was it when you were finally able to make that transition to come home? You know, it was good because we were just so happy not to be at the hospital anymore. Right. I I learned to just really like relish in being at home and not having to go anywhere. Um, but it was hard. She. Um, I mentioned this a little bit, but she had an NG tube the first few weeks, so she didn't get to um, either nurse or bottle feed for, I think it was the first two and a half weeks that she was born. So feeding was a huge struggle for us, and it quickly became literally the only thing I did with her. Um, I always envisioned being a breastfeeding mom, and it's something that I really, really wanted. Um, so we tried really hard to make it work. I had a lot of lactation consultants, um, both at the hospital. And then when we came home, I had some come to the house. We met one at the pediatrician's office and um, I tried everything, but it ended up not working for us. Um, oftentimes uh, preemies, bottle better. It is just easier for them, the consistency of the flow and um, nursing for any baby in the beginning is hard, but it's even harder 
when you're super tiny. Um, so that was absolutely the case with Clara. And she um, just ended up being able to bottle much quicker and better. And it was more comfortable for us both. So um, we ended up doing that. I, I exclusively pumped and bottled her. Um, I think it was two weeks after we got home, we decided to make that that shift, um, which ended up being the best thing for us because before I was trying to nurse her for 20 to 30 minutes. And then after that, I had to switch to a bottle. And then after that, I had to pump for another half hour. And then I had to um, wash all my pump parts. And once that entire cycle was done, I think I had, I don't know, 15 minutes to go to the bathroom or eat something. Um, it was just so exhausting. So removing that one layer of nursing, although it was emotional for me, it ended up helping us all with uh, just having that extra time and that ease of um, only bottling and then pumping, which still was a full-time job in itself. And I wanted to run over that pump <laughs> with my car. I was so sick of it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm sure so many other mothers can relate, but um, totally. it was, it was like that, it was such a love-hate relationship with it. I didn't want to give up pumping, which I eventually did later on, but I hated that thing so much. It was time-consuming and it hurt and it was loud and I just wanted to snuggle with my baby and instead I had to be hooked up to the stupid machine. It was, uh, I look back at that and I'm glad we did it for as long as we did, but it was, it was a tough, a tough thing to do. I can really relate with that love hate relationship with the pump. I went through a similar experience. Yeah. Did Clara yeah. have any digestive issues? Did she have reflux? I know that's something that's common with premature babies. Yeah. She had terrible reflux and that was another layer in the cycle of eating that uh, consumed all my time. So um, she started showing reflux even when she had her NG tube. So she had to be on an incline. And I know that that's not safe sleep at home, but at the hospital it was. Um, and then after I fed her, when we finally were able to switch to bottling and then trying to nurse um, stage, I had to put her over my shoulder after every time she ate and, and keep her up right for I think 15 to 20 minutes and even with that it never failed that she would spit up every single time oh. it was so hard and it had to be so uncomfortable for her it was uncomfortable for me to watch it was so messy it was uh ugh, it was so bad and she had reflux I think until she started sitting upright on her own. So oh. it was a long time. Um, but yeah, it's common in preemies and the pediatricians kept on saying, she'll outgrow it, she'll outgrow it. Um, they gave us medicine to help with, to see if it would help and it didn't. And then I didn't want to have her on medicine if she was just going to outgrow it. And it was one of those other questions that every mom has on like what to do that's best for your baby. And it's, a lot of trial and error, but, um, yeah, the reflux added to the stress of feeding and it also kept us at home for a long, long time. Yeah. I can imagine. 
it's just such an internal struggle, like what you were saying about the medication. You don't want to give them medication that's going to potentially like impact them negatively, but then you also want to help them, but you want to just see if they can work it out themselves. And so it's just this constant back and forth. Right. And you don't know if they're telling you if it's helping or not. Like it's so hard to read their cues in the beginning. So I wasn't sure if I, well, I could tell it wasn't helping because she was still spitting up, but I couldn't even tell if it was helping minimize some of that discomfort. And so you don't want to have a baby, your baby on medicine if they don't have to be. And it's just so hard. It is. How was Clara sleeping through all of this? So her sleep was, everything was tied to her feeding in the beginning, everything. Um, She, when she first came home, actually slept really well because she was still so little. So I actually had to wake her up at night. Um, She wasn't big enough to know to wake up to ask for more food. So I was setting my alarm, which I was used to doing when I was at the hospital, setting my alarm for every two and a half hours to pump. But now I was setting my alarm to wake up my baby, to feed her, and then to pump. And that was super hard. But um, for, I would say, the first, like, week or so, I I was constantly waking her up. And then she finally got big enough where she was uh, waking me up. And I think it was still always pretty consistent on that that sleep cycle, uh, the wake windows that all the sleep consultants suggest of the every two and a half to three hours. I, I largely attribute that to probably the hospital and the nursing staff having her on a routine so early of that two and a half to three hours. And then it translated to the same consistency at home. Now, obviously it wasn't a hundred percent consistent, but for a large part, it, we followed that um, sleep cycle pretty well. Um, I think the hardest thing was just honestly my sleep because even when she was sleeping, I was pumping or cleaning bottles and then I was watching her sleep because I was so scared that she would stop breathing or she would have reflux and it wouldn't, and she would aspirate or a thousand other things would always go on in my head and what could go wrong. So um, her sleep was probably better than mine, um, but um, again, that was all very much tied to her being tiny and the eating. And then as she got bigger and older, it, it changed a lot. At what point did she start getting out of that every three hour kind of cycle and start taking longer stretches? Um, I think it was, it, it was a little bit before I went back to work, which was when I went back to work when she was 14 weeks chronological. So I think maybe around the like 11 week mark, she started sleeping longer stretches. And I remember my mother-in-law telling me once babies hit 10 pounds, they can start sleeping longer stretches, if not all night long. And so I was really, really looking forward to her being 10 pounds. I don't know if that holds true or not, but it was around when she was the nine, 10 pound that she started sleeping longer stretches and, um, and then I would say a few weeks after I got back to work, she was sleeping through the night. It seems like she gained a lot of weight pretty quickly. That's awesome. Yeah. For being the tiniest little thing when she was born, she packed on the pounds pretty quickly. (laughs) And then I will have to share photos 
for the podcast or something, but um, over the summer, so she was born in September and the following summer, she was the chunkiest baby, like to the point where her cheeks overtook her face. (laughs) So so like, yeah, the obsession with feeding her paid off in the end because she ended up being a really chunky, cute baby. (laughs) That's adorable. Nothing better. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I know. All the little rolls and their little fat fingers. So cute. Okay, so I want to go back to what you were saying about how you went back to work when she was, I think you said 14 weeks chronological. Yeah. How was that for you when you had to start going back to work and leaving her with a caretaker? So I was so nervous for it. And I remember the Friday before I went back to work, my... Um, I was working for a federal judge at the time, and she is amazing. She was the most supportive boss um, I could have ever asked for. But I, she asked me to come in the Friday before because there was a big hearing that um, she wanted me to sit in on. I was um, working on that case. And so I brought Clara in with me, and it was nice to have that like first drive back to work and the first time being in the office with Clara. Um, I actually ended up helping my transition, but when I got back home after that day, I remember sitting on the couch with her and just crying. I I don't know why I'm like starting to tear up now. (laughs) (laughs) It's just such an emotional thing when you're with your baby for all this uninterrupted time, and then you go back to what used to be your new normal, but it's not ever normal again, and. Yeah, so I was sitting on the couch and she was snuggling on me and I was just so sad because I knew that she would be healthy and safe. We spent a lot of time um, figuring out the transition to me back to work with our caregivers. My husband actually took off um, a couple weeks then and then my mother-in-law came up and my mom came, my mom came up all the time. She came up when the baby came home and then um, when I went back to work a little bit, but, and then we found an amazing nanny. So I knew that I could trust her with the people that were with her at home, but it was just that the shift of having to take my undivided time away from her, which was so, so sad for me. Um, But then when I finally got back to work, the first month or so it was me constantly just looking at my phone at pictures of her and checking in and obsessing with when she ate and at what exact time she ate and all of these things. I, it was a hard transition, but my colleagues really did make it a lot easier. I was so fortunate that I worked with um, all females and everyone was a mom except for, I think one other, um, lady and she uh, was baby crazy so it worked out really well that I had such a supportive um, and sympathetic uh, work environment Uh, and they let me work remotely if I had pediatrician appointments and all of that Um, so the initial transition back although really emotional it ended up being a little bit easier than I had anticipated Um, but then Later on, once she got older, I left my clerkship and I worked at a a firm and then there was a shift in in that work-life balance and it got a little bit harder then. So um, it was right when 
Clara turned 12 months. A few weeks later, I um, left my clerkship and started working at a firm and it got really busy. Um, I didn't have the luxury of government hours anymore. And instead I had private practice hours and um, it was a struggle. My husband works really long hours and he travels a lot too. So it was um, basically one of us left early in the morning to get to work and the other one waited for the nanny. Um, I preferred to get up and get to work early. Um, I'm a morning person and he is not, and he's a night owl and I'm not. So um, I usually left first when he was in town and then um, would be the first to leave to get home. And we also did daycare part-time for a little bit too. And then one of us was driving mad to get to daycare and we were always the last parent to pick her up which was the most uh it was the worst feeling ever just that guilt of your baby's alone in the in the classroom waiting for mom right um so hard and so hard I I know that every parent goes through it and kids end up doing great in daycare that ended up not being the case for us um because a lot because of our work schedules and how busy we were. Um, also, she ended up getting sick a lot, and um, I can get into that in a little in a little bit. But because of all of her illnesses and her being a preemie, we ended up pulling her out of daycare. But um, it was just so hard, so hard being in practice, and I always felt like I wasn't doing enough at work. I wasn't doing enough at home. And I was just failing at both. And I, I didn't know what to do because when I was at work, I enjoyed it. And I really liked learning and being challenged and being there. But then the second I got home, I didn't have that drive to be checking my emails constantly and logging back on every night. And I had to do it, but I just wanted to be with my baby. And I was only being able, I was only able to be with her, I think, like an hour and a half a day because by the time I got home, I was with her and then I did her bedtime routine and then she was going to sleep. And I did probably uh, keep the dream feed a lot around a little bit longer than she needed just for me because I needed that extra time with just being with her and the quiet space. But um, it was it was just so hard that I didn't get to see her as much as I wanted to. Um, and then she also, like I said, was getting sick a lot. And a lot of that was probably because of daycare, but it was one virus after the next and then pink eye and then an ear infection. Um, and then it was Thanksgiving the week before Thanksgiving, she got really sick and I was working on a motion. It was an emergency motion. So I had my nanny take her to the pediatrician. And um, we'll back up a little bit. She got sick on a Friday and we just had my nanny watch her. And then that Saturday, I, I was working all day. I woke up at like five in the morning trying to get this motion done. Um, and then she just kept getting sicker. And it wasn't to the point where it was like super alarming on that Friday or over the weekend. And I thought it was a virus or something, but I wasn't tuned in because I was so focused on this project at work. And then come Monday, she still wasn't getting better. So my nanny brought her into the pediatrician and the pediatrician said she had RSV. 
And I was on the phone. They called me when she was at the uh, clinic and she said, don't worry about it. This is kind of common. I think most kids get it. And sometimes it's just a looks like a cold. Other times, obviously, it's a lot worse. Um, but just watch her for the next day or so. And if it gets worse, you can come back in. So um, I finally went home early from work, I think, that day. And she just was, oh, my gosh, so sad and didn't look good. And I was up with her all night and immediately on Tuesday the next morning I called and brought her in for the next available appointment and we got into the doctor's office and they uh, were taking her oxygen levels and I was so used to reading those from when she was in the hospital when she was a preemie that I knew that when I saw the reading that it wasn't good Um, and sure enough they said she has to go to the hospital And every, like everything came crashing down around me and and we went straight to the hospital and my nanny uh, met us there and gave us some of her clothes and diapers and things to make it a little bit more normal. And uh, we were there for three days. Uh, We were actually discharged on Thanksgiving and it was definitely a turning point for me because I had been so engaged with my work and had always um, been able to respond to emails super quickly and get things done. And it was, it forced me to take that break that was so needed. And thankfully work was really supportive. They said, focus on your baby. This stuff will be okay. And she'll be okay too, but that's what you need to do. And I was so thankful for that. But um, ever since then, at, when we were in the hospital, I I couldn't think but um, that I just had this ever-present guilt. Like, if I had been more tuned in, would we have caught this sooner? Would we have mm-hmm. had to go to the hospital? Would she be as sick as she had been? And I just couldn't shake that feeling. So I, you, it's a yeah, and I know that, I was doing the best that I could at that time, but you always look back and say, what if, what could I have done better? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I really started thinking about what it was that I wanted and what I wanted was to be with my daughter more. And we had such a hard first year with her being a preemie and the reflux and being in the hospital and now her being sick all the time. And I just kept thinking to myself, I'm barely skating by and, both being at home and being at work. And I, I just need to give hundred percent of my attention to what really matters most. And that obviously was Clara. So we made the decision um, that I would take a step back um, after going back to work and trying to make it work for a few more weeks and months. I decided that, okay, I, I, I just can't do this anymore. So I ended up leaving work um, mid-March and it seems like a a big stretch of time but I did try to make it work for a long time and the holidays helped but um, after giving myself those few extra months it it really um, confirmed that I had to be at home for a little bit and um, it was the best decision. Now it also coincided with the stay-at-home order and all this uh, COVID-19 
um, quarantining and social distancing. So I wouldn't say that it's like the new normal, um, but because <laughs> now you got through. Yeah, we went it. from zero to 100 with me being home with her. Like now we don't even have our play dates or our activities at the gyms and parenting classes and all of that. And that has been its own struggle. But um, we've also had my husband at home working from home. So we went from <laughs> two parents that were always at work, someone was always on the road to us at home as a family all the time, which has been amazing, um, but also has had its own challenges, of course. Um, so totally. we'll see, hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll fingers crossed, be able to transition to more of what will be the, the norm in the future. Yeah. Well, it sounds like the decision you made at the end of the day was the best for you personally and oh, mentally. Yeah. It's, there's no worse feeling than just that constant state of guilt. And I feel like no matter what your situation is, even as a stay-at-home mom, I feel tremendous guilt all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, so I don't think you can escape it, but right. But yeah, you're helped. totally right. I now feel guilty that I'm looking at my phone too much or I'm I'm yes. not trying a new <laughs> Montessori activity or, you know, like there's always this new guilt to feel. And I realize that if it's never going to go away, but yeah, it's definitely been the, the best decision for us. And I think I'm going to look back on this time and never feel guilt for not being at work. I would feel guilt for not trying to be with my daughter more. And I remember talking to one of our family members who did the same. And she said, um, you'll never regret spending more time with your kids. And it couldn't be more true. I mean, there are days where I really would love a glass of wine with my girlfriends and just not to have to deal with the toddler tantrums for a little bit. But (laughs) (laughs) overall, I'm I'm so happy that I'm there for the tantrums and somebody and I'm the one that's dealing with them and not somebody else. Totally. That's that's a good feeling. It is. Well, do you have any tips or any resources that really helped you that you want to share? Yeah. So I took the taking care of baby courses when Clara came home from the hospital. Um, I followed her on Instagram before and even if you're not totally sure about putting in that financial commitment, I suggest following her or I know there's a lot of other uh, methods that are really similar, but um, some sort of sleep coach that um, is like evidence-based and also is um, like a nurturing base too. Cause I love the way that she presented, like, here's what the evidence says. Here's what you do. Here are tips, but follow your baby. Um, she was really great. And I ended up really, really liking those courses um, and it also really mirrored what um, I was told at the hospital with the, the sleep cycles. So I would say um, following some sort of um, sleeping method that works best for you, um, taking care of babies for us worked really well. Um, besides that, I would say uh, you always just have to do what is right for your family. And I know that that can seem really confusing and ubiquitous, but um you know, I never thought I was going to be a pumping mom. I never thought I was going to be a formula mom. And when I made those changes, it ended up being the very best for our family. And um, I just was always following what I felt in my gut was best for us and what was best for Clara. And it ended up always 
helping us in the long run. Um, I would also say too, uh, we are inundated with perfect moms on social media and perfect babies and perfect clothes and these wonderful dreamy uh, maternity leaves and then back to work or staying at home and um, baking in the kitchen while your baby is doing this new activity. And that's just not reality. Um, So I think just uh, letting yourself um, not live up to this like ideal standard because it's not real and everyone has their imperfect days and knowing that you are the best mom for your baby and uh, just I think taking a break from always trying to have this sense of perfect Um, perfect is uh, it's unattainable and I think um, sometimes we can all drive ourselves crazy by trying to get there so just giving yourself a little grace and um, knowing that this is a journey and a learning curve for me uh, that has always uh, been my mantra and obviously um, I've had my days where I feel like I'm falling apart but um, overall I think that um, now that we are 20 months in it has helped me tremendously. Thanks so much for listening in. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at at the sleep sessions.